Okay. So, Institute of Christian Living and Growth is um, one of the ministries that God has committed to me. Um, I know some of you were with me in uh, Chicago, Catch the Fire, and Catch the Fire Incorporated. And then we have the Institute of Christian Living and Growth. Um, the sense that God has given me is that, you know, Catch the Fire is bringing, you know, raising the church to come into an awareness of what God envisioned about her for Christ. And that by that revelation, the church like Rebecca will arise and be that betrothed wife to Christ. It's an experience. Hallelujah. It's an, an encounter that brings about a transformation in your, the whole outlook of your life on earth. And then what you prioritize and what you pursue. Hallelujah. That is catch the fire. Essentially. But you see, the Institute of Christian Living and Growth is bringing substance. It's substance. 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 S-U-B S-T-A N-C-E. Substance. To how we are to relate with God. That will pattern our lives into our betrothal to Christ as his bride. Are we talking? Uh, are you getting where I'm going? Substance, the, the, the roots, the, the, the way we relate with God in the decisions and the choices that are taking place in our lives as the betrothed bride of Christ. Hmm. It's, 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 this, it's those decisions and choices that God has set to program us. It's a programming. Say programming. You know, so when you are not in that program of the way God had frameworked it, the way God has set it up, you ain't going to get into an enrichment, into a progress in becoming really and working into being the bride of Christ. Eventually, you will be there, but you would have packed a lot of things that do not receive rewards from God. Hello? Hmm. So, this morning, we're not going to the entire scope of our work. We're looking at building a foundation. It's just, this is just a, what we're going to have this morning is just a tit big of the whole scheme. But um, this morning is to set you, to provoke you. To ask yourself so many questions about Christian living. Especially, um, my heart, you know, is um, for this morning is 
Cindy, um, Pastor Emmanuel, Pastor Angie, Pastor Casey, Casey, and um, anyone here who God has called to ministry. This is a very vital building block. How we pastor. It's a building block how we parent. Um, and it, it, it's going to challenge us this morning to ask ourselves, are we really pastoring the church? Are we really parenting the child that God has given birth to to live into a, his or a betrothal relation with Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, the next slide, um, I don't know how many of you got the eyes to see, uh, but it's showing us uh, what I call the three personality estates. Say three. Personality estates of mankind. Let's say it again. Three. Personality estates of mankind. Whoo. Wow. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, mankind is also a building. Hmm. It's an estate with properties. Say it again. Mankind. It's an estate. It's a building. We not just persons, but the way God made us is properties. 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 So we want to look at these uh, various properties of mankind. How we have evolved. Originally, what we became and what we have become because of Jesus Christ. Are we talking? What we were originally, what we became, and what we have become in Christ Jesus. And you, as we travel along, you come to see that what we were originally and what we became and what we have become in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And in each of these estates, there is a particular relation that we have with God. The way we relate with God is out of the uh, properties, the characteristic elements of each of these estates, we find out that original, how he we related with him in that original estate, and how we related with God in what we became, and how we are relating with God and what we have become. You know, and, and for many of us, we are not paying attention because for some reason, it's not being in the currency of Christian education at all. We are not aware 
of our estate. And so, we're piling on things that we'll do to be in favor with God here and there. And all kinds of educational uh, curriculum, you know, so many things going on even today, you know. And what we are coming into and what I believe God is unloading to Crosset Freedom Ministries uh, is a, 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 a unique a gracious thing of God, I'm telling you, to position you in moving forward with the uh, 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 elevation of this ministry uh, to pioneer a work in America. The paradigm shifts that are going to take place I, I, I have to uh, be held with the substance of an understanding of these estates. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, so we're looking at the first estate. And I want someone to help me with the reading. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 7. And then we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 and 45. So Genesis chapter 2. So this morning is a, it's a teaching. Say teaching. <laughs> I'm teaching. Oh, fine. Thank you. Um, oh, you got it for me here. Thank you. <laughs> Thus, the heavens and the... Uh, is that the scripture we're reading? Genesis chapter 2. And the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. Go on. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that it, he had rested from all his work which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Hallelujah. Let's look at First Corinthians chapter 15. 45, 42 to 45. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in, in corruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. 
There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Amen. So what we have in the slide here, um, as it comes up, is that the original estate of man, the original estate, the properties and characteristic elements. I know many of us have had uh, teachings on the tripartite nature of man, spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. Um, if you're really looking into the entire estate of the original man, mankind, is a whole lot of things that make us who we are as human beings, as living soul. You know, we have the uh, physiological, the anatomic uh, structures, uh, our biological, psychological functions. These are all embedded, you know. Some we see, some we don't. Uh, the three uh, aspects here, the will, uh, the spirit, soul, self, they are invisible. Hello? Invisible. And we've heard it over and over that the spirit of man is actually you. <laughs> it's actually you. The real human being is spirit. Living in a house. Hallelujah. Um, my interest is not to go into the dimensions of what these uh, entities are in us, these properties are. I just want to show us that this uh, what we have in the original estate of mankind. Uh, we have the heart of man, which is, I mean, not the pulmonary <laughs> stuff, you know, the heart that is beating, but that invisible space, say invisible, space in, in man that houses the heart, say heart. The invisible space in man, internally, is invisible. It's the death of man that houses the spirit, soul, and the self, and the will. When we talk about the heart of man, that is what we're talking about. Invisible space that houses the invisible person of the human. Okay. Now, we'll come to realize that this original estate was righteous, 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 say righteous. But it's, it's a type, say type, of the righteousness of Christ. It's a type. Hi! Ah, I'm getting some very good students here. <laughs> wow! You're making it easier for me. <laughs> it's a type. Man's type of Christ's righteous nature. 
But also, the entire being, the Bible is saying that it's, it's soulish. It's a living soul. As compared to Christ, as a quickening spirit, the estate of the original is soulish, natural personality of man before the fall. Not, you see, I mean, for color-wise, I'm not just being uh, insensitive here or incorrectness, but for color-wise, you see, white. Hmm? White to mean is without blemish. White means that it is not corrupted. White means that it is not perverted. Hallelujah. And, and, and by so doing, not, I'm not saying that uh, white is superior. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But essentially, you know, it's, it's graphically to show uh, this original, original. And I, I want to intimate that that original state that Adam and Eve had, nobody can get there again. When we come to standard, when we a state that we acquired in Christ is not the same estate. We, we, we come to see that we may have all those elements, but the righteous nature is no longer a type, but it's actually the real thing. Hmm, the real thing. So, that it's only Adam and Eve that had this estate. Hmm. Only Adam and Eve. There are only two creatures that had this state. But it's important to factor this estate in understanding our makeup now and how we are relating with God now. Hallelujah. Are you with me? So, we want to look at how in this original estate, Adam and Eve, mankind, were relating with God. If you can help me with the slide, uh, before I get there, you know, these are the elements that I've listed here. Uh, soulish, natural personality of mankind. Man's type of Christ's righteousness. The spirit of mankind. The soul of mankind, the self part of mankind, the will of man. Hallelujah. I'm not adding the physiological and anatomic uh, compositions. I'm, as, I'm just uh, setting myself just with these elements. But we know that we have a physiological and anatomic structures in us, with, it, with us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we want to look at the next slide. The living relations with God. Say living. Relations. So in that original estate, how did they relate with God? Very important foundation. So it's very, very important foundation we are building here. 
Leaders, pray we are paying attention. Leaders, pray we are paying attention. This is a very important thing we are in discussion with. What we are finding here is that from Genesis chapter 1, there's a particular way that Adam and Eve related with God. And we find out in Genesis chapter 1, actually chapter 2, that God was the one who would define the need of mankind. Hmm? Hello? God was the one who would define the need of mankind and provide it. God was the one who would bring work to mankind to do. Hmm? You remember he brought him the animals to name them. And then you remember also that he set him in the garden to keep the garden. Right? Yeah. So man did not take any initiative on his own account to do anything. His living abode, say living abode, was decided created by God, and God put him there. His work was brought to him by God. Career. Where you live. Choosing a spouse. His wife was decided, made by God, and brought to him. Presented to him. Living relations. Adam was not taking any initiative. Adam was not being proactive. He had a will. But he didn't have choosing capacity. And whatever God brought to him, he received it. He didn't have options. Because he didn't have the knowledge, as we come to see, he didn't have the knowledge of good and evil. See, the knowledge of good and evil presents options. But he didn't know, he didn't have that capacity. He didn't have that ability. He was just like Jesus on earth. I do what only the Father asks me to do, and I say whatever the Father asks me to say. So you're realizing that in his original estate, mankind. Uh, relation with God was similar, very the same as Jesus. There was obedience and there was dependence, absolutely. 
absolutely. So I'm even having it here saying that all the decisions and the choices for his living were initiated and chosen for him by God. We, we, we're talking about the original estate of mankind. We are the type of the nature of Christ. He was not a sinner. He didn't have ability to choose anything. His, what he chooses is what God gives him. Oh, hallelujah. Are we talking this morning? I said what he chooses, what his choice is, is what he receives from God. Same with Jesus. What he, she, what, what he chooses is what God has given him. So, Christian living. Say Christian living. Uh, I'm jumping over here. But Christian living, we don't choose. We receive. So, the, the moment you are hearing, oh, I'm going to choose a wife. Or I'm choosing a career. Ah, wrong numbers. So, so, you see, this thing is going to change our language. Hmm. But before we get there, before we get there, ah, so, <laughs> hmm, you will stop listening to certain messages. Because the moment they are coming, you know that this is perverted. And you don't want to deal with perversion. But they don't know. Because we've been programmed. We've been programmed. Oh, so if we said that you don't choose, uh, uh, don't touch the, uh, uh, the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, so it means that he gave power of choice to mankind. That's what we've been told. So that means man has choice because God said, don't touch this. But I, I don't know, but I'm... I'm, I'm the, my language is not English. But the English that I've learned, the English that I have learned, if somebody gives you something, a command, do this, don't do this, it's not choice. It's a command. He's telling you what not to do and what to do. It's not giving you power of choice. But that is what we've been taught. He has a will. Yes, he had the will. But he didn't have the power of choice. God did not make him so. Because then the whole point of obedience and the whole point of dependence of God is tautology. It's redundant. Because if you are going to depend on him, then, then what is the point of you choosing anything. Sister Julie. Eh? If, if, if you are going to depend on him to receive. Then what is the point of you choosing? 
So what is the point of you making you and giving you the power of choices? We come to understand that obedience is not just obeying a traffic light or obeying commandments. Obedience is that you don't do anything until he asks you to do it. You know, so the very obedience of Christ will tell you at once and what is happening in, in Genesis chapter 1 with the original estate. Adam never uh, uh, went about to do something. He only did what was commanded him. What was given him. In no proactive, no initiative. And these are two words that are so powerful in corporate America. If you can't take initiative, you are dumb. If you are, look, I said, God is raising, elevating his church. We're going to change America. I mean, our schools. Our schools is not helping. Because our schools is promoting initiative. That is how we've been trained. We've been trained to be proactive. We've been trained to be strategic. The whole educational production is to make you an independent, creative, initiate person so that you will not task on the tax dollars. Hello? So that with your initiative and proactiveness and your smartness, they are not going to put dollars into training. Because you're smart. That's what they say. And somehow, the church has bought into it. Because we don't know. But now we are knowing. Go ahead, please. So, in recapping, mankind will do only what God asked him to do. Mankind will depend on God for the decision and the choices for his living. Mankind will not take initiative and be proactive with anything. Mankind's living relations with God were the same as Christ's obedient and dependent living relations with God the Father. Go ahead. God the Father had the exclusive right in the living orientations in mankind. Let's say it together. God the Father had the exclusive right, say exclusive right, in the living relations of mankind. You know what exclusive right means? It means that Adam and Eve didn't have a right. Jesus didn't have a right to take steps by himself. Hello, Auntie Karen. Hmm? What he's showing us is that, okay, so here is Pastor Cindy. Pastor Cindy has to tell me what to do before I do it. If Pastor Cindy says I should sit down, I sit, right? If Pastor Cindy says, oh, now it's time for you to get up, I get up. So while I'm standing and I'm feeling an urge in me to sit, I'm not sitting. <laughs> even, even the urge will come to that whole sense of the urge. Why the urge to sit at all? Because you come to understand that when you are 
You are really up there with him in the spirit. The Holy Spirit has baked you into this dynamic. That whole edge is taken care of. There's something why we have that urge. But Pastor Cindy would have to tell me, regardless of what I'm feeling with me, what I'm, I'm tired. If he's not said, sit down. I don't sit. Hello? It's hard. With our present estate, we get there. But what we are capitalizing on this moment, very foundational, is that it is only God the Father. Say, God the Father. I'm not talking about Jesus Christ the Son. Who. <laughs> I'm saying, important, say, God the Father. He's the only one with the exclusive right in every decision and every choice. Original and what Christ came to live. We look at how we are living, it's a disconnection. We come to understand why the disconnection. And I will submit to you, preempt you, that it's not just sin. We get it. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next slide, please. So, we're getting into the perverted estate of mankind. Hallelujah. And please just write down the scriptures. Just write down the scriptures. Say perversion. So God, in Genesis chapter 2, had warned the man. Say warned. There are two trees. Uh, There's a tree of life, and then there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hallelujah. And he commanded them that they should not touch and eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. The moment they do that, they will die. Okay. And then Satan comes and deceives Eve and they took it. Then something happened. Okay. So, you remember that in the conversation with Eve, he said to her, you will be wise. When you eat of that fruit, you'll be wise as God. Thank you, my daughter. That's my daughter. <laughs> Amen. When you touch it, you'll be wise. Okay. So, the the, no, let's, let's stay there. So, when they touched it, hmm? Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 8, Matthew chapter 16, and 24, they're telling us about the sin. Say sin. 
nature that begat man. Sin. Man became a sinner. Hello? When they touched it, man became a sinner. He lost the type of the nature of Christ's righteousness and became what? A sinner. Nature. Hmm? And in that sin nature, we come to find out that man was rebellious, man was acting wickedly, man was acting iniquitously, and man was acting in rebellion. So these are the four components of the fruit of sin. The four components of the fruit of evil. Hello? Rebellion. Say rebellion. Iniquity. And then you have unrighteousness and wickedness. Hmm. And they all have their, you know, uh, categories. Hmm. Unri- we know unrighteousness. We know wicked. We know rebellion. See, they, they, they may, some of them may cross, but there, there's rebellion. <laughs> I won't do it. I won't. Whoa, 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 who told you? I'm the man. No, mommy, I won't do it, mommy. That's rebellion. Now, rebellion is not the same as cheating, which is work of unrighteousness. Wicked is all the things we do to injure one another, kill, destroy, wickedness. And iniquity is when we have taken the place of God and doing God's role. Hi! You know what Jesus said? He said, you come to me, sir. we did this in your name. I said, depart from me. I know you not, for ye are workers of iniquity. It's not saying you fornicated. It's talking about the nature of the work done. Iniquity. I did not know you. That is a lot of language. Adam knew his wife. He said, I did not know you. Ah, let, 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 let them who are hearing here. <laughs> I said, he's saying that I did not know you. Adam knew his wife, Eve, and they bore a child. I did not know you. The product of this work is not having my DNA. It's not seeded by me. I did not seed it. Iniquity. So, that's what I'm saying, foundation. You see, this is foundation. When we get to, I'm not even going into all the arenas. But when, what, what this, this, is, this is good anyway. But, but, but we are building a foundation. Christian living. After the church had come up, how are we relating with him? This is what we are talking about. Understanding our estate, our, the, the properties that we have, and how the properties handicap us 
in our relation with God to be in the example that Christ showed us and as we find with Adam and Eve in the original. Okay, so now this is a this is this is really very I'm very fixed with the acquired SPA of mankind. The, the SPA is my own coin word. The sensibility personal agency of mankind. Say sensibility. Personal agency of mankind. SPA. So, uh, one of these days it will become a currency among us. Oh, that is SPA. Sensibility personal agency of mankind. Okay, how did that come about? So, we're finding, first of all, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, before we come to Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. I said today, we are, this morning, we are doing what? Teaching. Say teaching. Help me with the slide. Okay. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Just hold on there. So the Lord God is saying something. Now, you notice in this scripture, now, while I'm teaching, I'm also bringing out some elements of the Godhead. Say, Godhead. So, we are going, but we are learning stuff. You know, in the Godhead, Jesus does not command. In the Godhead, Jesus does not say things to do. It's who? The Father. So, immediately, the Lord God, we know the Lord God, the Father. Because he is speaking. Ah, are you with me? The father, distinctively. Said so distinctively. The father is saying something. He said, Behold, the man is become as one of us. To know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Now, the man is become. Say the man. Is. Become. It means he was not. Hello? If he became, then it means he was not. Auntie Julie. Right? English language, right? Pastor Casey. If he he became, the man had become, it means that he, he, he was not in the original. So, in the original, he had not taken of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. So, he couldn't even decide about the tree of life. Hello? It's present, but he couldn't even decide it. Because he had not come to know what is good and what is evil. But God, the Father, is saying the man has become like one of us. Now, what he's saying, essentially... The one with the exclusive right in the decision of what is done that is good, that is righteous, has been uh, come to a power. It's, it's come a power with him, with whom the Father. 
He's come to take the place of the father. He's come apart with the father. And, and he's saying that last. Last means that he will come to it. Certainly. He will come to it. He has become. Now with the power, with the ability to make choice. He doesn't only have a will. He doesn't only have a soul. He doesn't only have a spirit. But now he has come to acquire an element to himself that he was not originally. Originally, everything, he will receive it. But now what God is saying, he will take the fruit of the life apart from him. He will not receive it from him. He will do it in non-dependence of him. Because now he has the ability to make that decision. Are you with me? So Genesis chapter 3 verse 7. Genesis chapter 3 verse 22 is a recap. Say recap. God is confirming what has taken place in Genesis chapter 3 verse 7. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 7, as soon as they took of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, the Bible says that the eyes of them both were opened. And then they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So I've been asking, so for all these many years, we've not really come to this fundamental. That Genesis chapter 3 verse 7 is marking a certain transition in mankind's living relation with God. With the taking of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. For the first time, man will recognize a need of himself. For the first time, Man will go about fixing that need without God. Hey! So he did not only become a sinner, he also acquired an instinct. Say an instinct. Instinctually. They became wise. Sound judgment. Say sound judgment. That is the American language. The evangelical language. Sound judgment. Now that is sound judgment. They were naked. Come on now. They were naked. They saw each other's nakedness. It got to be fixed. It's inappropriate. It's inappropriate. It got to be fixed. 
judgment. Let me cover myself. But they did it on their own terms. The currency of Christian education had emphasized sin nature. And I'd not come to terms with this acquisition. Hello. You know, I'm a Moody grad. And I'm a Billy Graham scholar at Whitting Graduate School, Christian education. You know, so I'm talking from something. The educational philosophy. Understanding mankind. I'd never considered this. But we have rather applauded sound judgment. We talk about conscience. <laughs> As fundamental thing about mankind to have conscience, to know what is good and evil. And we talk about the fact that God said don't touch it will be power of choice. And we know from all the scriptures, it's talking about sin and sin and sin and sin and sin and sin and sin. And Jesus Christ came and sin uh, became sin for us. And it's all a sin. Say sin. Has become the foundation of how we understand mankind and how we treat mankind. But we are learning something. Fundamentally, that when Jesus came and what the original was, is it, Jesus did not even come to moralize at all. Are you hearing me? Jesus did not moralize. Even though morality was a very hard thing for God, the morality, immorality of mankind brought God into a long-suffering mode with mankind. Are you hearing me? I said the immorality of mankind brought God into a long-suffering mode with mankind. But God dealt with sin. On the cross, he demolished the nature of sin. The sins that we will commit, the atonement, covered it. The past, the present, and the future have been taken care of. What has not been taken care of by the cross is this instinct. I tell people every day, every morning when you wake up and you put on your cloth, that is the instinct right there in your face. It is still with us. His presence with us means that we have supplanted the Father in our lives. Supplant. 
Hey! <laughs> Praise the Lord. As the foundation of Christian living. This is what we need to come to terms with. The perversion of mankind is not just a perversion of sin, but it's a perversion of with an instinct, something we acquired with the taking of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Man became a certain being that he was not in the original. Woo! Next slide, please. Help me with my next slide. Whew, boy. Okay, so this is the diagram I have here. Man now takes a sinful nature. Hmm? The soul, spirit, uh, self, they have become dislocated. Hello? I said they have dislocated their positions. Hmm? The perverted, soulish, natural personality of man with the acquired instinct from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. This is my Christ. This is my trust. This is the beginning point. Christian education, pastoring, parenting. Law said this, the, this is the beginning. This is, this is it. This understanding of who we are, our equipment. <laughs> we are not just sinners, but we have an instinct. Sinners and instinct. Say sinners. And we have an instinct. This morning, I, I called Pastor Angie. Why? Because I have an instinct. Looking at the time, I'm not hearing anything. Oh, let me call her. Was I asked to call her? Was, was, was the spirit beating me to call her? After I've called her several times, then comes my dear friend, Knocking on the door, I'm here to pick you up. I said, oh, see, I, you know, I'm bringing, I'm bringing it home. The instinct. I, I got to call it. I'm, I'm feeling, oh, it's almost uh, 9.45. I'm supposed to be there by 10. I have not heard anything. I have talked to Theresa. Oh, I don't know yet. I'm waiting for their call. I'm not hearing the call. I'm not getting the call. I'm like, okay. Okay, so let me just call. Hello? Instinct. Instinct. Now, this instinct is loaded with preferences. Say preference. You know, our soul. Mm? The soulish, you know, it has become perverted. The soul Everything has become perverted with preferences. So, I like deep dish pizza. I don't like thin crust. (laughs) I like 
tall. I don't like short. I like it when they don't have any uh, background, you know, negative record. Then I can fall into it. Hello? It's all coming from this acquired thing. So, Arabo Shandele Bekendele You know, so the very, the whole, even the way we go into marriage, career, everything. Preference. It's all loaded up. Oh, I mean, they're going to give you, I mean, you're talking about uh, what you call six figures. They'll give you a car. Uh, 401k. Wow. What a great package. Oh, that is your breakthrough. (laughs) They've not even considered whether God has a stake in that decision. Hey! You know, I'm I'm, I'm saying this whole weekend, Freedom Ministries, God is revealing himself to you. What you are hearing today, you won't find it in any literature. But are we hearing truth? Sister Karen, what, what, what we are hearing, we are two Karens, Karen White. <laughs> what, what we are talking about, is it sound, you know, is it, is it coming home? Are we, are we, sorry, are we seeing it? Are we seeing the, the contrast and are we seeing the truth in the whole matter? What really happened? What really happened? And what happened after? What was before? What happened? And what happened after? I don't need any kind of uh, Greek or Hebrew. Are are we here? I don't need to understand the Greek language of this or the uh, Hebrew language for this. The scripture is opening up to us what was before what they did and what happened after. The experience is telling me something. I don't need Hebrew to understand the experience. I don't need Greek to understand the experience. There is an error somewhere. It is not coming from man. It is coming from the evil one. He has trafficked to deceive man. We've been blind to this truth. Because this is the beginning of bringing God back into his place in your life.
Give me another slide, please. So mankind's sinful nature, the acquired sensibility of mankind, making him wiser, the dislocation of the spiritual and self in the heart of mankind. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mankind would define and solve his own needs. Mankind would do things apart from God. Mankind is in the gross tendency to live in accordance with his personal preferences. Mankind will act wickedly, unrighteous, rebellious, and iniquitously before God. Come on. So the living relations with God is that God the Father no longer has the exclusive right in the living pursuits of mankind. Pastor Casey. God the Father no longer has the exclusive right. It's been competed by my own disposition to making decisions and choices. And uh, we'll come to see something. Come on, please. So now we are entering into C. Briefly, you know, um, to, you know, we know C. <laughs> we become righteous. Hmm? We now have come to acquire the righteous. Now the spirit and the soul, they are still faring in who takes precedence. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But the important thing for here, us here to have in mind is that Christ died, demolished sin, for we were crucified with him. We died with him. Hello? So sin died. I died. My old nature died. But what this is supposed to give us, the understanding is supposed to give us, is that with all of that, the estate, this is the third estate of mankind. This is you and I. God is now in me. In the original, I was not in God. And he was not in me. Hello? Hello? Can I repeat that? I said in the original, the Holy Spirit was not indwelling. It was the breath of life breathed into me. I'm serious with scripture. He didn't say that he came to dwell in me. He breathed and I became a living soul. Hello? But in coming to Jesus, what identifies me as the son of God is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. It is not just the Holy Spirit, but the Father and the Son. God, totally in me. And I in him. Essentially, I have become a body to Christ. I was not in the original. Hello? Originally, I was not a body of Christ. The reason why I was not the body of Christ is because Jesus had not come to uh, come to that I would be born. The seed has not been sown to bring about many sons. Hello? So I was not part of his body yet. But original. It's not the same as what we have become. We are a complete estate of being. You seeing that? Fully equipped to function in God, with God, 
I said fully equipped to relate, function, relate with God. Fully equipped. Fully equipped. Fully equipped. Hey, fully equipped. But we still have the instinct. See? And look at how all these years we have ignored this instinct. Because we didn't see it as a problem. (laughs) And we have built on it. Socialization. Upon socialization. You know socialization? Like how we bring people up. The values. You know, that we imbibe into people. You know, all of these things. The way we program our children. It's all favoring this instinct. Ah, church of God. The more, the more, the more, the more. The distancing, the distancing, the more we exclude the father. So, Christian education or secular education is not taken into consideration what we are talking about. It's terrible. It's frightening. It's disconcerting. You're seeing it real in your face. That the way they are programming your child is not making her, him, to become that betrothed bride of Christ is right in your face. But we, how can we resist it? Because the instinct is saying that the moment you resist it, you are not a good parent. The moment you're looking at it in another way, the system is saying that hey, DCFS is coming after you. Department of Child and Family Services. And in our own curriculum, <laughs> we emphasize, we reinforcing it because we don't know. The way they take the exam, independent. You know, you don't have to share. (laughs) Hmm? You don't have to share your notes. You don't have to plagiarize. (laughs) It's all building in you. It's curriculum. It's anti-Christ. It's anti-God. It's rebellion. Knowingly or unknowingly, we are in it. We are fixed in it because just as I cannot come here with just even an undershirt. See, you're hearing me. I cannot come here with an undershirt as inappropriate. That is how we are bound with this instinct. (laughs) 
Also haben wir Pastor. Haben wir Leader. I mean, we're hearing all kinds of things. There's something in you. There's something that can come out of you. Only tapping. Or maybe you can go to school and polish your this and polish your that. I'm, I have a PhD. <laughs> I'm not saying school. It's a bad thing. But what kind of school? What kind of education are we imbibing? As pastors, you are educators. You are educating the church in how we relate with God. Christian discipleship is not just Bible reading. Christian discipleship is not You know, Christian discipleship is not just fasting. Christian discipleship is understanding this basic thing. That there is an example that Christ has given us a mother. Christ's life. Just, I'll finish this thing quickly. Uh, let's run with this. I'll show you something. Come on, come on down, come on down. Come down. Come down. Yes. So with the instinct, say the instinct. Human preferences, decisions, and choices are driven by what? Natural inclinations. Say natural. So you see what is driving mankind? Pastor Emmanuel, Manuel, what is driving mankind? Natural instinct. <laughs> and we're making our decisions sound, very sound. Judgment. And God. He's making his decisions according to the eternal purpose in Christ. The basis of the decisions are different. The conclusions are what? Going to be what? Different. Oh, church. Oh! Are we, are we, are we singing it? Sister Julie. What is driving us? What is driving me to get married? What is driving me to choose this career? What is driving me where I should live? It's not the same with God. He's driving me to go to Canaan. He's driving me to get married to Leah. He's driving me to look at Jacob and give him the blessing. But something is telling me that no, I got to go to buy somewhere around Sodom and Gomorrah because the place is so fertile. Pragmatics. I said pragmatics. You know the word pragmatics? Pragmatic. <laughs> I don't know what I'm hearing. Asking, but pragmatic. <laughs> you, you, you've, you've looked at the whole length and breadth of the whole thing. 
and it sounds like this is it. Oh. See, the, you know, this you don't need, you, you don't, I don't need, I don't need too much. The, the, the graphic is showing the direction. What is pulling us? <laughs> and what God's agenda is. Totally different. Come on, give me another slide. It's having, I mean, we're getting there very soon. So, we have these biblical examples. Um, think, give me one other slide, I think. No, the, the, before that. Yeah. So, Isaac preferred to give the blessing of Abraham to Esau. Why? What was it, really? The Bible says it. Mm-mm. Because he liked his food. <laughs> Hello? Because he loved his penicillin. And Rebecca loved Jacob, and there's no reason. Hello? <laughs> yeah. So what we are having here is saying that Isaac loved Esau because of his venison. God loved Jacob by the determinate counsel of his own will. Hallelujah. The two are different. So he's giving us a paradigm. Say paradigm. Are you seeing the paradigm? Right away. Paradigm. Shifting paradigms. How do we get from the natural inclinations to the God's eternal purpose in Christ? Abraham will go for Hagar because it is a sound judgment. People don't realize it. All he needed was someone who is going to inherit his blessing. There's nothing wrong. Posterity was his agenda. Say posterity. What's his agenda? Mm, about the promise. Prosperity, posterity was his word agenda. Ah. And God said, yes, you're going to have a son. So when Sarah comes and says, hey, I, you know, in, in his mind, this, this is where sound judgment operates. My wife is, pregnant, is, is barren. She's almost 90-something years. So, biologically, you know, she is just out. The only, the only possible thing for the son to come is Hagar. How can you resist it? Isn't this the breakthrough? Can I talk to a pastor to counsel me? Oh, Abraham, this is simple. Your wife is barren. 90 years. Oh, Abraham. What Sarah is saying is what I think God is bringing to you. 
Easy. Counsel. So you see where counseling, hey, pastoring, hey. I mean, I'm bringing them out. Parenting, hey. You know, how are we engaging the flock? What, how are we helping them to come to terms with God, purpose, concerning their living on earth? When we don't understand these things. So you see why God has chosen to be our beginning point of our engagement this weekend. To start with this foundation. Christian living. This evening, we're going to come into another whole ball game of the church. Come Saturday morning. We're going to look at the movement of God. What is all pertaining to? I, I, I was saying to Sister Karen Black, I was saying to Pastor Angie, that God is, mysteries are being unfolded in Crosset. What has been hidden for ages is just bringing them out, Pastor Emmanuel. As you are moving back to Honduras, do you see how God loves you? Do you see how God has programmed you to be in a conference like this? This is no man's doing. This is God's action. You know, because this evening, I don't know, but there's going to be an, an outpouring, a refreshment of the Holy Ghost upon you. Hallelujah. Because you are going back to Honduras with some clarity of human living and Christian living. Human living is not Christian living. Christian living is not human living. The two things are different. How we live is with this sense of what is bringing me eternal reward in Christ. Uh, how we live, Christian living, is not just Bible reading. Christian living is having this consciousness that I carry an instinct to make a choice, a decision. Based on my own terms. They are good. There will be a blessing to me upon the face of the earth. God said it right into Abraham. As for Ishmael, I will bless him and he will be great upon the face of the earth. But he is no part of my everlasting covenant. We may accumulate great things. The world would acclaim great things of you. But they are not great. What do you want? What do you really want? You want God? Or you want yours? Do you want to feel good in your community that you have someone you can leave your legacy with? Your will? 
I mean, you stop, excuse me my language, you are foolish to just give everything to the church. Oh, why do you even consider the church at all? According to the administration of your will. Why not your grandchildren? What, what would the church do for your children? These are the things we are thinking about. When you meet with the lawyer, the lawyer will look at you. Ah, mom, please. Think about this again. You see, the Catholic people went after it. But it's a corrupted institution. But the real church, the betrayed bride of Christ, the person that is going to be joined with him, that is what we're talking about. Investing. Not out of sound judgment, but as to the leading of the Holy Ghost. You know, um, as we come down, please, quickly, come down. Something here. In ten minutes I'll be done. When Adam and Eve left the garden, you know what they were after? What to become and what to have. Sister Julie, when Adam and Eve, they left the garden, they left the place of provisions, God drove them out, and now they're going to pursue what to become. And what to have. That is mankind's preoccupation. Mankind's orientation. Say orientation. The whole living of mankind's orientation is what I'm becoming and what I am having. Look at it from Genesis. All the way until Christ came. All the pursuit. Abraham. Isaac, Jacob preferred Leah, uh, Rachel over Leah. In the end, he was buried with Leah as the wife. Rachel was buried by the wayside, not with him as a husband. Fourteen years of labor for one thing. My personal passion. Not the passion and he's the Lord God of Jacob. It's a mystery. It's bringing to Crosset. This paradigm, this thing, is becoming a picture. You are seeing it. I can see. Your eyes are opened. You are now realizing how are we positioning ourselves as a church with the people? How are we equipping them to be the example that Christ lived with God. The example of the original orientation of mankind with God. This is what he's opening your mind to. Your eyes to. Your spiritual understanding. We are now going to look into it. Dig it. What, 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 what was the Christ life? How did he live that life? Because all the orientation. I mean, you know, living orientation is not the same as living relation. I've distinguished the two to be the priorities and what we pursue as living orientations. Living relations is, 
Is the Father who is asking me to do this helped by the Holy Ghost? Or it is me who I'm doing it based on my personal preferences? Have you seen the distinction? Living orientation is what I'm prioritizing and what I'm pursuing. Living relations is how I'm allowing the Father's exclusive right to prevail in my life by the help of the Holy Ghost. And this is what Christ came to mother. Your celeste life is great. But it did not just come to live a sinless life because that has been taken care of, but he made sure that he is clear with the message why he came upon the face of the earth is to reveal the essence of the Father in our lives. And how we relate with him in obedience and dependence. The son does nothing by himself. So many times. That is the model. He is the word of God. He's not just somebody filled with the scriptures. Hello? I said, Jesus is not somebody filled with the scriptures. He is the word. Everything he did had to be commanded by the Father. It's the word. He had to be led by the Spirit. So you're seeing something about him in his living orientations. Said, I'm here for the kingdom. The, 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 the one who made all things came and I own nothing. A baby, the clothes he wore. You didn't have an estate. You didn't have any property. Sometimes he was sleeping on the hill top. That was his abode. He had people who loved him, who could give him a home to be. But he, look at him. I said, the one who created all things. Pastor Casey, the one who created all all things and by whom all things consist was upon the face of the earth and owned O-W-N-E-D owned nothing. It's not just austerity. It's priority and what he pursued. What will be given to you is what has been allotted to you. We don't pursue what has been provided. Hello? I said, we don't pursue what will be given to us. <laughs> all things. My father knoweth that you need all these things. He will give you the food. He will give you the place to live. He will give you the place of job. 
to be about. Go to the land that I will show you. Sarah, your wife, will bring forth your son. It is Jacob I love, not Esau. According to the purpose of election. Jesus, model this for us. This is Christian living. This is Christian living. This is the Christ life. When we live the Christ life, it will solve the morality problems issue. Because you're going to be about something driven by yourself. It's going to be driven by the Spirit. That is Christ's life. He did not only receive instructions. He had to rely on the quickening and empowering work of the Holy Ghost. To be about what God wants him to be about. Hallelujah. So there are two entities in his life. That are governing his life. The Father and the Holy Ghost. It is therefore telling you that it is not just a negative thing. It is not a weakness thing. But that is the paradigm of living with God. Jesus was not weak. He was strong in spirit. But he has to rely on the quickening, the directing and empowering work of the Holy Spirit. To be about to do what the Father asked him to do. So it's not a negative, it's a normative thing. For us, it's our, it is equipment, it is need, it is grace because of our perverted instinct we have. It makes us more to rely on the quickening, directing, and empowering work of the Holy Spirit. But it's a normative thing. The Holy Spirit in our lives is not because of a weakness. It's a norm. It's a norm. So if it's not of the spirit, it's not after the spirit, it's after the flesh. And Hagar did not find herself with Abraham in the cave, Machpelah. Rachel did not find herself, Jacob, in the cave of Machpelah. All the ones who ended up in the cave of Machpelah were the ones that the father had initiated, directed, chosen for each and every one in that cave. That is the end, the conclusion of what is after the spirit ending in the supremacy, the preeminence of Christ, the bride coming into being. Ah, Sister Cindy, the bride coming into being. Otugo. The bride coming into being. The bride living in that essence is the same paradigm, the same thing. I trust that as we go through this weekend and we understand the whole point of God's agenda. These are going to be the beginning points of how we are repositioning. She's going to be speaking on positioning. You see, God is already choosing for us. 
the meal for this weekend. I'm going to be talking on positioning also. Place, purpose, movement. It's all tiling to this one currency that is God, 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 God for God. Any other thing, we are out of the framework of God. Let's bow down. Shandala Babasa.